Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In today's episode, my guest talks about the platform that they developed to help suppliers create visibility in data so they could demonstrate the return on investment to customers. My next guest is a customer growth strategist. He also calls himself a ruckus maker and a customer advocate. He helps organizations eliminate customer challenges and create market beating customer results predictably at scale in any environment. Welcome to Scale Yourselves podcast, Jermaine Edwards. So welcome to Scale Yourselves podcast, Jermaine Edwards. Yes, thank you so much, Janice. Wonderful to be here. Yes, I, well, I was just saying off camera, it must be about three or four years since we are actually together. It's just time has flown. <laughs> I know, I know. And um, this COVID thing has, has been like a time warp. You can't quite think, was that a year ago? Oh, no, it must Indeed. be three years ago. It's really <laughs> strange, isn't it? Yeah. It so how, how's things been for you over these last couple of years during the pandemic? Has there been a change in your, your focus on, on business? And perhaps give us some yeah. examples of, of what you've been doing for your clients by way of introduction. Yeah, indeed. So it's been pretty active. So what we've recognized is that we had to have a fundamental shift in business model. Um, so the consulting model that we had in terms of just being on site with clients clearly wasn't working. A number of businesses had to make those changes. But what we ended up doing was doing, um, I guess, two big bets, two big bets that we actually took. So one was a, an investment in technology. We actually started a technology company and we based that on the basis that we would have to have at least 30% of our customers agreeing to it and solving a very specific use case for them. So starting that technology company, that became something that now supports an ongoing um, reference for, for um, their own customers directly. So it supports them in being able to deliver specific insights about their customers on an ongoing basis. And that technology really supports them. So that big bet was um, something that was was risky at the time because it was a you know, big six-figure check that we're putting out the business, um, but it was actually really, really paid off. So we didn't necessarily immediately decide to you know, go virtual. We said, how else could we serve our customers and where are the big bets that would, would pay off for us, uh, not only concurrently, but actually for them for the future for the next you know, three, five years. And technology was the place to be. The second big bet was actually just looking at the way in which people were consuming information, the way that they were supporting their own development and the execution of their own practices and processes. And so we decided to kind of codify some of the, the work that we were doing and provide it in a, a, a almost like a software as a service, but a, a, a delivery or customer growth as a service model. So they would actually be able to switch off and turn off consultancy when they needed it rather than be fixed into a specific contract. So that kind of really played out for us during that time. So when you talk about the platform, what, what do you mean by that? You know, the technology platform, what, what is that? 
Yeah, so it's not public to anybody. It's something we built directly just for clients, but it's it's designed to do two things. One, the, the use case we had, we had a number of different clients come to us and say, hey, our teams are spending a huge amount of time building custom reports for customers. We have you know, great CRMs running reports and different kinds of BIs, but none of them actually consolidate reports that allows us to pinpoint very specific insights that we can share immediately with customers in real time. We have to actually gather all this information from different places. So the first thing we said is, is how can we um, draw together those things that are already in those existing platforms that they have and offer it as something that could be deployed immediately to be sent to a client without the, the need for this you know, uh, cost of effort within the client from different departments. And that's what the, 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 the um, platform was designed to do. So we now have it that actually they can connect specific platforms with through our technology and it allows them to deploy reports to customers um, within hours rather than days. Right. Okay. So the supply organization, it allows them to get all of the, the data they already have within the organization and create a value-based report insights and re reports that they so send. for the customers to send to their customers, customer right. reports. That's cool. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Um, so tell me a, um, a bit more about your you know, the practical strategies that will enable buyers to buy and build long-term relationships, because these reports must open up new insights and conversations. What happens after that? How does that enable the buyers to buy, or how does it enable the relationship to develop? Yes, one thing we've recognized is that along with the, the customer and buyer relationship, transparency was really a conversation that we, we had, and there was um, perhaps an assumption that the customer had an awareness of what the client was, was always the supplier was doing and that get consummate value that they were actually getting from that supply. And so the supplier was assuming that, Hey, we're delivering this work. We're delivering this value. Clearly customer must know what we're doing for them because they're still paying us. And that assumption led to some real challenges during the, the last 18 months, because as these clients were evaluating their supplier lists and as they were thinking about who they want to partner with transparency was actually the key or the visibility of impact the visibility of results was where they made those consummate decisions and as they spoke to their senior leaders and the contacts who they were speaking with and they said hey what value are we getting from this partner but actually we can't actually see it visibly we can't tangibly point to something that we could report on all of a sudden they found themselves on the back foot so the immediate value is transparency actually breeds reputation and those reputations that you can then use as part of your proposition work to move into different stakeholder conversations and to kind of mitigate the risk of a client saying, well, do we really get value from this particular supplier or is this just hearsay? And those reports allow them to have that kind of very real and pragmatic conversation. So part of the reporting is to demonstrate, demonstrate the return on investment that the customer's getting. So what are those, those KPIs that you would be, um, you know, looking for that you would demonstrate through this reporting? Yeah, so it varies per customer, but typically there are kind of three or four things. So, so, so number one is what we call the impact quotient. So we, we actually look at seven specific criteria of impact to a client. We look at um, both increase in revenue, decrease in costs, um, brand equity, uh, social 
um, so, so CSRs, pilot CSR impact, environmental impact specifically. Uh, we look at um, stakeholder growth, um, as in when I say stakeholders, I mean the actual shareholders themselves of the actual company are shareholders actually getting greater returns as a result of this relationship. We look at kind of the employment directly. Is there impact to employees? Is there impact to leadership? Are there impact to their own customers? So we looked at those impact areas and said, can we, can we tangibly look at what we do and look at the SLA that we have and say, yep, yeah, are we delivering to the SLA? But actually, are we also delivering any other impact points? to this client that they may not be aware of, but actually we are, that we can demonstrate that the relationship is so much more than just the service or supply that we have. So that specific area is the, 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 the primary place that we begin an impact quotient, what we call, that builds reputation. Uh, and then there's some other things that come out of that, but that is the that is more consistent one that we, we look at. So those seven areas of impact, and we help them to evaluate those with their clients. Right, right. So give me some of the um, the results that the client has has got at what they, you know, what they've gone on to do. Yeah, indeed. So I'll give you an example of a manufacturing company. So um, they, they operate internationally and what they recognized was that they were delivering, you know, some really interesting reports to this client. And um, what they were doing is simply sending these reports and the client was saying, okay, thank you very much. And they went off with no feedback from the client whatsoever. And this happened for years and they just accepted it because the client essentially wasn't canceling the contract. So, you know, <laughs> ignorance is bliss <laughs> in that kind of thing. Don't rock the um, boat. <laughs> don't, rock, don't rock the boat. Um, but what we found is when we began to kind of put in these more custom reports and evaluating specific impact points, um, we recognized that the both on the for their specific clients, uh, a really high metric because they were delivering these specific items, these manufacturing items that were a huge cost internationally to these clients to be able to send to varying different um, locations. They recognized that because they had as many different locations are on the ground to actually distribute these different products and items for their clients, they were actually reducing their costs significantly over time, more than they expected by factors of 10, 20, and 30 with their clients. And the clients had no idea they were getting these cost benefits. So as soon as we were able to quantify that and look at these impact points and present it back, instantly what they found in this particular client example, the client came back to them and said, we had no idea let's do more business with you. Can you also manufacture these for us? Can you do this and this and this? All of a sudden they actually 3X their revenue with the client within a six week period, just because of being able to demonstrate some of those impact areas. And this is, you know, it's fascinating. You think, well, why aren't we doing this all the time really? Cause it, you know, absolutely makes sense. But I, I know from some of the companies I work with, I mean, they're not measuring it, so they're not aware of it. They're not aware of the uh, additional, maybe quantitative, but not mm. qualitative benefits that they are delivering yeah. to the client. So if they're not measuring it, they're not aware of it and they can't demonstrate it. Exactly. Um, so, you know, this is a, a, an area that uh, I think that we can't afford going forward because of the economic environment and the competitiveness and the challenges that we're going to continue to have you know mm. going forward that mm. we can't afford to let the opportunity 
to demonstrate our effectiveness passes passes by. So this is really interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. More than anything, there is a higher expectation of value, service, and impact that clients are expecting. And so the same value you saw that you delivered last year may not be under the same standards in which they're evaluating you this year. And so if we aren't having those expectation-based conversations and saying, hey, what's new for you this year? Um, what are some of the things that have been spoken about at board level that might, might translate to a different level of standard or expectations of what you need from us this year? I think you, you need to have those ongoing conversations and evaluating those expectations because they do shift. And sometimes they can shift by months, sometimes even by a week, depending on the context you're working with. It's interesting, once you've got the ability to, to measure it and demonstrate it, you're probably looking, actively looking for more things to measure <laughs> within yeah. that customer organization, yeah. because you're not actually wrapped up in the process of measuring it. You've already got, as you say, the platform. It's just a case of, well, how, how far can we go with this? Yeah, absolutely. So we often kind of um, offer them three questions to begin with. And I think these questions are, are quite powerful. And the first question is, hey, what do we actually know about our customers today that actually defines the way in which we work and you know, bring value to them today? What is it that we don't know? What is it we need to know? And if we had those, those specific input points or, or the clarity on that, what would that do to the way in which we could develop propositions, the way in which we could you know, um, entice greater and, and more stakeholders across this business. And I think if you begin to ask those questions, what is it we actually know right now? So what is it we know right now? And are we actually, actually, are we using all of that information to our benefit? And if we are, that's great. What is it we don't know? That if we did know, actually would significantly increase our ability to go and serve our clients. And what is it we need to know right now? That would help us to either, you know, serve them in a specific way because there's something changing in the marketplace there's a new disruption there's some new information there's new legislation it could be a range of things that's there but those questions really help us when communicating with our clients to help their clients um this is interesting but i'm particularly interested in in you jermaine because when we met uh, we were both in the um, key account management space, and yeah, I'm interested yeah. in your journey, your journey yeah. to where you are now. What elements have you kind of taken forward or what insights or gaps did you have that actually is, has brought you to where you are now from, from that point? Yeah, so I think that the biggest shift that I've made directly has been the, the fact that our key accounts is no longer just a function. It's actually, I've never just thought of it as a function. It's actually a strategy. So key account is, is a strategy that should be owned by leadership uh, and collaborative with, uh, you know, across the, across, the, uh, across the organization, across multiple departments. And so because key account management was, was thought of as a function, it's easy to dismiss departments. And so what, we were, what I began to do with organizations is actually begin to sell the fact that key account management is a strategy for mitigating risk, for actually um, protecting long-term revenue growth and actually looking for and exploiting new current market opportunities. Um, that can really only be done when you have leverageable assets and, and, and IP that you can access within your business. And that actually can happen in the form of your own clients if you're willing to look at it from a different perspective. So the big shift I've made is thinking about how as an organization 
can we move from from looking at this as a function looking as an organizational strategy that allows us to go out and uh, add more value and create more more impact in the world with our clients um, but that's been that's been a big fundamental shift uh, as well as some others as well um, which are perhaps go counterintuitive to what a lot of people might think why do you think it's counterintuitive well, i think it's counterintuitive because um I think from an industry perspective, we've, we've always thought about, okay, let's set up the CAM department. Let's, let's think about these people who exist in this department. Let's think about their roles and responsibilities. And then let's think about how we go and speak to our senior leaders about investing in what it is, rather than saying, actually, before we even start the department, let's start at the top. Let's start there and let's think about what exactly they want. Who are we trying to become to our clients? And who are our clients trying to become? What is the highest possible value we can actually deliver for to our clients? And what would need to be true as an organization for us to, to actually go out and deliver that in the marketplace? And at, at one point in time, it could be, the decision could be that, hey, we need a key account strategy as part of that, or it could be something completely different. But until you begin at, hey, where are we trying to go? What do we actually want? What impact do we actually want to create with our customers and for our customers? Sometimes the departments just make no sense to, to begin. So I, I, that's been the counterintuitive piece. Most people start at a department. I say, don't start there. Let's start at the conversation on whether or not who we're trying to become is going to fit where we're actually trying to, what we're actually trying to deploy on the ground. Mm, mm. I mean, I think, I think it's a really interesting um, perspective because, you know, you know, I, I started with um, key account management and my perspective is, you know, it's to there to better serve customers, their accounts. But actually, it's like, hey, there's a bit of a missing link here, really. Let's let's start with the customer. Let's understand the customer. Let's speak their language. Let's know more about the customer and then work, work, work backwards, really. And actually, as you're... I completely agree with you. The systems and the processes, whether it's key account management, whatever it may be within your your mm -hmm. your supply organization, maybe the things that are blocking the process because you've created the process first, uh -huh. you know, uh -huh. rather yeah. than looking at what is the outcome for the customer, because it's all about the customers and buyers and, and, and now. Yeah. So scale your sales framework is to help um, sales organizations really pivot to actually be um, buyer focused and you know yeah. really understand the buyer's journey and then you put the systems and the processes in place so you you know Absolutely. so yeah I think we've we've both come to a, a similar realization around sales and uh, you know the traditional sales process and and how exactly. it's really not serving the customer no not at all not yeah. I agree with that completely. So I just want to um, switch up just a, a, a little bit and um, talk about diversity. This is something yeah. that, as you know, that's really important to, to me. And it's a, a, a conversation I have with almost all of my, my guests. And yeah. um, mm. I, I usually have 50% women and, you know, a good 20% ethnic minorities because our voices aren't heard. And if yeah. we want to change the industry, we need to hear from more people in the industry and attract more, more diversity to the industry. So I'm really interested mm. in, in your experience and, and your perspective on what has changed and, and whether things have changed or progressed enough and, and what should be done if not. Yeah, indeed. So um, 
I've, I've, I've actually struggled with the kind of diversity question um, for a little while because I often don't know what everybody means by that. So I, I sometimes walk into organizations, they talk about diversity one way and I go into another organization, they talk about it another way. I'm like, well, what do people actually mean by this directly? So if, if, we, if, if what we mean is representation, um, then, okay, let's talk about that. If what we mean is talent, or where we source talent directly and, and how that gets actualized inside organizations, meaning you know, what does our recruitment process actually look like? And actually, are we looking at the full pools of talent available to us as an organization? And if so, are those equally being looked at uh, in a way in which is um, coherent and integral and is value and kind of ethically so actually being appropriate inside the organization? I think it could be a range of different things. Now, a question, is everybody, every organization thinking about it the same way? No. Um, do everybody, does every organization use the same kind of um, philosophy of looking at talent across a broad spectrum of different places? Absolutely not. Uh, there's some places that, that do, and um, where you see higher, higher ranges of, of talent diversity inside those organizations. Yep, but is it, is it right across the board? No. So I think there is some work to be done in terms of um, educating and making aware that actually there is this wider talent pool and this diverse talent pool that you can tap into for an organization and giving them the kind of the auspices to go and look and say, actually, wow, this is actually not only an economic fit for us because you want to bring in really good people to add value to your business, but um, these specific pools, these talent pools can actually sometimes generate even greater results for us because of the, the, either the place in which they are, the um, experiences that they have and so forth, and the access to new networks that they have for us and organizations. And there's a range of different benefits there. But I think more than anything, I think I'm, I'm sympathetic to businesses who may not know how to, how to navigate this and um, may have a traditional way in which they may recruit for specific um, people inside their business, sympathetic to that. And I think if, we, if we're honest as organizations, I think if we just opened up a little bit and said, where else can we get the best possible talent? I see we'll, we'll see a range of different options available to us and we'll be surprised by the outcomes. I, I mean, I think, I think you're right. Um, I think it's important to have conversations because it's one of those things that hasn't been discussed nearly enough or um i think or every organize this is a competitive advantage we know more diverse organizations are more profitable i don't think that's the reason to do it um but i think organizations need to look at um opportunities all opportunities and this is an opportunity to create competitive advantage so it's about having a discussion about how that may play out for that organization in that part of the world and that culture what does it mean to them so it's i think there isn't going to be any one model that's going to suit everyone across across the board but i think the reason why i always bring this up as, as a subject is that it might someone listening might think ah oh, that sparks i've you know shared an experience and that's that's something that i can share within the organization or i didn't see it that way i think it's mm -hmm. really important for us just just to keep having conversations and and sharing our personal experiences of of what's actually happened or what how we see the world and that's that's why i want to 
you know, hear from all people from all diverse backgrounds and parts, parts of the world. Because yeah. I think the more we have a conversation, then the more we'll kind of open up the possibilities to create that competitive advantage. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. In 2019, I got to travel to 14 countries. I was in seven countries in Africa as part of that. Um, and yet, yeah, so diversity will look very, very different. I think this is very much a kind of a Western thing right now that we're wrestling with because different parts of the world, they just aren't having these conversations. It doesn't make it good or bad, but I think it's just really interesting um, that we seem to be struggling as much as we do with this conversation. So, uh, but yeah, one, one to definitely can keep, keep speaking about, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I lived in Africa for um, a while. And I think actually when you're the majority, you don't need to have the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a different perspective isn't it <laughs> well, 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 this and, and this this is what I, what I mean so you can go to different places and you say well should we apply the same standard across the board is it, is it fair for us to go to one country and say we don't have to apply the standard to you um, versus another one um i don't know but uh yeah. you know worth worth reflecting on yeah, it's a great reflection. Okay, so if you're on a, a desert island on your own, Jermaine, what would be the one thing you took with you? So I'm, I'm super pragmatic. So it, it would have been like a, a really good carving knife, <laughs> you know, that would do. But uh, that that being said, I did think about, um, as, you, as you said, I started, something else came to mind and I recognised that actually um, something that's really important to me would be um my family actually actually having, having my family with me um with me would, would make life just easier regardless of what the challenge was I think that would be the um the answer that I give there right well you're putting them in your suitcase and it looks like you're taking them with you <laughs> yeah <laughs> indeed they'll indeed. keep you sane <laughs> <laughs> without without a doubt it's interesting how can listeners get hold of you yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, please, if you're if you're serious about kind of the way in which you're thinking about growth with your, your own customers, existing customers, that is, and want to transform the way that looks like in 2022, um, please do get in touch at jermaineedwards.com or my, the wider group at theiadvisory.com or just connect with me on LinkedIn. Let's have a conversation. Let's exchange ideas. We'd love to hear from you as well and what you're doing. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you, Jermaine. Thank you for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast. Been wonderful. Thanks, Jermaine. you for listening to this week's episode of scale yourselves podcast if you like this discussion feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on youtube and subscribe to future episodes i would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on itunes thank you